0: Pulling up my notes.
1: Pulling up all those owns.
0: And our one one million owns.
1: (laughs) It's
0: a new record.
1: Two chapter nines today. Tyrion and Cersei.
0: What could it all mean?
1: It almost seems like it was planned this way.
0: We can't keep making them. I feel like we make that joke literally every single time It's funny to me. Hi, everyone. We're back.
1: Tyrion nine, Cersei nine. You might have heard us mention that earlier in the podcast, a dance with dragons, a feast for crows, a feast with dragons. That's what happens when you put them all together.
0: But these two chapters, and we're going to dive into it quite a bit, have a ton of parallels. So I feel like anytime we've got siblings together, it's always going to make for a very interesting discussion and for siblings as messed up in the head as Tyrion and Cersei are.
1: Oh, man, these two chapters were ridiculous. I didn't realize that Cersei's chapter was like going into it today in the preparation for, you know, reading and taking notes before we hop on Skype and have a conversation about it. I wasn't prepared for some of just the the comic, just ridiculousness of her friends, her sycophants that are surrounding her. And just the things that they're talking about and how forlorn they are, how tough the world is for them right now. in King's <laughs> yeah, landing. It's
0: truly next <laughs> level. I feel like each chapter is getting worse and worse and spiraling more and more. And to me, this chapter with Cersei was, I think that all of these are kind of like a fascinating character study into somebody. I'm not going to say that like Cersei is like a psychopath or anything, but an she's figuring it out. Study.
1: She's still working on things.
0: Yeah, but this chapter to me just seemed, with everything that happens with the singer and with Picel all mm-hmm. of that, it just seemed next level. So I'm excited to dive into it.
1: What do you mean by that? Next level, like just her, the volume is turned up and how much she's not on top of things or maybe she, because she got violent and blood was spilt. Lots of blood was spilled.
0: Well, she it's its all of the combination of that while her inner dialogue, there was one moment that really caught my attention near to the end of the chapter when mm-hmm. she's heading back to her chamber after everything that happens with Blue Bard. And she's thinking to herself, I need to be strong. I'm doing this for Tommen. This is for the realm. And a little bit before that, as he's being tortured... Cersei is like, I have to watch this. It's my duty. Time when in reality, she controls all of this. So, or yeah, she thinks she controls all of it. Yeah. So the fact that she thinks that what she's doing is morally her obligation, and not even something of her being self aware about, well, I'm going to torture these people to get the answers that I want. It's like she she's past that point.
1: Wow, that is such a fascinating way to deal with what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing too. How about Kyburn just holding the razor blade? I'm imagining he's got some like uh, magnifying eyewear that's maybe turned up and out of the way for a second, and he's like, "Hmm, sure, yeah," <laughs> and just going along with everything as it unfolds. Anyway, that was fun.
0: <laughs> I guess it's fun. <laughs> it was yeah.
1: fun. We have to do the Tyrion chapter first, though. That's the order that we read oh, it yeah. in today.
0: Mm, that's all the talking about Cersei. So
1: <laughs> is on another ship.
0: Tyrion is on another ship. He's still with his girl, Penny. Penny. And we open up with them jousting.
1: It was a play-by-play in Tyrion's head where you would be sitting if you were sitting on the back of a pig and the way that the pig would feel underneath your legs if you were Tyrion's size and the pig was, I guess, around the size of a horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of fun for a moment. And then it the the description widened up a bit and I started to think about I can't remember the words that George used exactly, but uh, I started to think about the men, the sailors, and how rowdy they were and how they were shouting and how close each of them were to drunken violence and how quickly things could go very poorly and how the last show, not the last show, but the show that we think about the most, like the, uh, the performance in King's Landing, how mm-hmm. that was a similar situation, but this is even more depraved. And how he was thinking back to moments in... Cashley Rock when he was growing up and similar things were happening or he was in moments of, of comedy when he was trying to perform for his family and he would think about how it would work and how, I guess, he had like he had a barometer of where he thought that pleasing his audience was, but it just comes nothing close to being out east and to be on the ship and to be dealing with the circumstances that they're dealing with and to be lowered into the position that he's in. And for so much danger to be around it takes all of these circumstances to make a to make a place to make a situation where Tyrion could get the kind of laugh that he got where things are so real and have been so real consistently not like you bought tickets to a show and Mm -hmm. someone is really well trained he's like listen I've been performing this around the country and I've got to tell you about all this really great stuff that I know is is gonna make you laugh like that's not what this is this is all this is teeming with life and and uh all of the problems that they're dealing with in real time. And there's so much danger and so much can go wrong. And I just thought, what a cool way to start the chapter.
0: Mm -hmm. Especially with Penny pleading him a little bit. There's a point when she's like, we have to make them laugh. I think George R. R. Martin literally says, yeah, it says, we have to make them laugh. Penny said pleading. We have to make them like us. If we (laughs) give them a show, it'll help them forget. And so it's exactly what you're saying. This isn't, this is what they have to do for survival. And I think that that's the only thing that's going to get somebody like Tyrion to participate in an activity like this.
1: Isn't that fascinating though? The stuff that the big people have to do to survive is so different than what these little people have to do to survive.
0: Well, and and I think, sorry, I cut you off.
1: Please go on. I've just been, I can keep rambling about this.
0: Well, I think that that's a major theme of this chapter. And I think that something I want to get into a little bit more as we continue to discuss the chapter is kind of what the purpose of this part is. I think a lot of people have questions about why Penny takes up quote unquote so much space. It truly is not that much space, but why Tyrion spends so much time with her and they don't understand her purpose. And I think that that's something we can talk about, but I think a, a big part of that is that Tyrion is learning what it means to be a dwarf outside of his own Lannister life and realizing he's had trials, he's had struggles on a completely different type of level and plane than somebody like Penny and trying to figure out how to survive as a dwarf is a whole different set of learning curves for him than he is used to. Yeah. So, um but something else I wanted to point out about that Passage that I found really interesting was that moment when he says, "For an absurd moment, he felt almost like Jamie, riding oh, yeah. out into attorney field, or attorney field with lance in hand, his golden armor flashing in the sun." When That's the laughter started, the dream dissolved.
1: Great little moment, though.
0: It's a great moment. You can
1: find the fun and the lightness and the the good and everything, even a an absurd moment. It it, it is absurd, but it's just how life is, and the gulf of grief
0: well and it made me think we've talked about this before i've thought about this quite often because it's just something that i find really interesting is this relationship that all these siblings have with each other but particularly Tyrion and jamie and how often they kind of think of each other when they're stuck in situations i feel like and i can't list off specific instances and maybe i can find a list compiled somewhere but there are many moments in the series when both Jamie and Tyrion recall each other and think, what would so-and-so do? Or can you imagine if I was blah, blah, blah? Or I wonder what so-and-so would think about this. Like There just seems to be a lot of opportunities for them to kind of reminisce about each other, which I just think is interesting and also bittersweet given the fact that we don't know if they're ever going to be able to have it any sort of relationship ever again, you know? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than something that I think is just really interesting.
1: How about all that crazy stuff on the deck of the ship where the Red Priest Makoro was like yelling prayers into the stormy sky?
0: Man, I love the weather.
1: There are so many moments in this chapter where especially the one where Tyrion's uh, like being surrounded by splintering wood and he's just mm-hmm. cackling madly like, dear God, we're going to have to read that later. But there are so many moments in this chapter where you're just, it just like when I was describing how real it was when they were riding into the tilt with the pigs and they were jousting each other and it was like, okay, we better do this real uh, because, you know, these are actual pirates or whatever. We're actually in a thing right now. This is, a, this is not a, a game. Of Thrones yeah sorry (laughs) (laughs) there's a person at least on the side of the ship who's convinced that his magic is real and he's yelling it into the sky he's directing this, this cloud of fury that's i guess the red god has something to do that roller was like hey i'm gonna send you guys into the future but i'm gonna do it on my own terms also he died
0: Yeah, I was going to say, a bunch of people died. A lot of people
1: died. The (laughs) captain was flung from the ship once it started to split and uh, broke both of his legs. He died a few days after. I connected those dots as I was reading. God, what a different kind of chapter.
0: Yeah, and it's a good way to kind of like look back on what that was for Tyrion. But this is such a different experience, especially as they're down in the in with penny and all the animals and you could just feel the ship rocking back and forth and Mm -hmm. the terror of the that's a terrible place to be
1: but imagine a few weeks before when things are going awesome and it's been a bright day and everyone's pretty well fed and some of the captain's wine is still left and then this gale starts to you can see like the threat of it right the sails are moving in an awkward way and you're like oh no The air starts to taste different. It starts to get a little colder. And then this awesome storm comes through. Just enough for you guys to get excited about and to basically flex all of your skills at sea. And then it goes away. What a good night that must have been.
0: Mm -hmm. Not this one. They get stuck in the eye of it and they think that it's over. Common mistake.
1: Common mistake. I think that the red priest on the deck thought this is where... I shine. This is or where. he's like,
0: he leaves at this exact moment because he knows they're in the eye of the storm. So he's like, let me pause it for a second.
1: Yeah, he's like, actually, I know more about meteorology than I do the red god.
0: Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I've been so
1: confident at sea yeah. because I've been yeah. able to know how the storms are going to be.
0: Honestly, <laughs> a sound knowledge of meteorology back then would have made you a god.
1: You would have felt like a wizard. They're like, this guy knows when it's going to rain, and you could threaten people ahead of time. You could be like, listen, um, You know what you could do. You could just manipulate people. That's half of yeah. what the story's about. Jeez. Big Speaking time. of that, that Cersei chapter. Oh, Lord.
0: I know. We're going to get to it, though.
1: This Aren't was... talking about it right now? <laughs> um, this was awesome. This was Tyrion in Essos at its best, or at some of its best. I know that there's more... There's a storm where there's a guy standing on the ship yelling at the sky. And before he reaches, before he feels the the moment of calm and he leaves Penny and uh, George pulls your mind in one direction. There's this really high pitched voice from downstairs, like shrieking. And it's almost like you're. You're, you've are you been, like, punched in the head during a fight scene or something in the book, except he's actually just been down with Penny trying to ride out the storm and not die. And instead of turning toward that clamor, he decides to see what's happening on top of the deck. But in those small moments, he's able to create such space and also give us a lot of feelings, I guess, that he reserved for these moments where Tyrion was discovering how he fit into the larger picture, like you were talking about earlier, how he is a dwarf and how his life has been so different and how learning that might kind of been the point and how the storm might kind of also be the point. And I feel like that's just the sort of way he's treating it as he's walking upstairs. It's like, what other reason would he have to be so, to be so brazen to understand what's happening and then to also behold the priest on the deck and to have such detached feelings about it. Hmm. It just doesn't seem like he's scared of what's going to happen. Yeah. Like Penny's there for a reason and he's there for a reason and might as well get drunk while it's all going down.
0: Right. Right. But there was, I'm trying to think of what was the part when they were talking about the, what had been seen in prophecy, basically. Uh, Yeah. He was surprised that Makoro had found him. Did not normally emerge till dusk. They have it. There you see it. Your hill, God's wrath, the Lord of Light will not be mocked. Tyrion had a bad feeling about this. I just clicked away. Tyrion had a bad feeling about this. The widow said the ship would never reach her destination. It took that to mean I took that to mean that once we were out to sea beyond the reach of Triarch, blah, blah, blah the captain would change course for Marine, or perhaps that you would seize the ship with your fiery hand and take us to da- Daenerys. But that isn't what your High Priest saw, is it? He says no. This is what he saw. And then with the storm and all that, right?
1: Yeah, he just assumed that the reason they were going to chart off course and go to Marine was going to be taken care of in right. uh, a less metaphysical way. And when he saw that, oh, yeah, he's like, this is it. <laughs> it's like,
0: what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no like plotting or scheming or anything. It just is.
1: Well, it was a lot of plotting and scheming, but it was like kind of insanely chaotic and reckless. Like, here, we're just going to fling you into this bay, into this gulf, and hope that y- the pieces of your wreckage or whatever is left of you of this foolhardy, errant mission will make it to Marine. Or not at all. Or they had a much better plan. And we just have a really chaotic and reckless Red Priest aboard, which. Also makes sense.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that. I feel like makes just as much sense.
1: How do you feel about Penny and Tyrion?
0: The thing about Penny, I think it's valid to ask how we feel about her as a character because I think that there are debates online (laughs) about (laughs) what the point of her is.
1: (laughs) Really, I just
0: I feel like that that's something that people like talk about a little bit because I think that some people don't appreciate these chapters necessarily i don't know this is just the things that i hear but something that i was thinking about and looking up and like reading about i don't know if you've ever heard this i don't know what you think about this but there's this theory that penny is Tyrion's daughter
1: you're always like detecting like turned into a detective before these episodes finding insane theories
0: because i love theories like this because i totally don't think it's true but there's this Theory that Penny is Tyrion's daughter because she would be sort of ish in the age range. It's a little bit of a stretch, but maybe she would be in the age range, or Tyrion got her age wrong, so she could be his daughter. And like some of the things that back this claim up, or that Tyrion's description of Penny looks a lot like Taisha's. Which okay, Penny talks about her mom singing to her, and. That's some Tysha saying to Tyrion. That's another point in the thing. Oh, geez. <laughs> Penny had a twin brother that she talks about, and that having twins may be a hereditary thing. And there's a couple other things, like um, Tyrion dreams about killing Tywin, and when Tywin says, wherever whor- whores go, and Tyrion shoots, who is in front of him is Penny, and not Tywin. Anyway, so there's this like, tinfoil theory that Penny is Tyrion's daughter. What which... would Penny
1: be in that dream if she replaced Tywin? Do you know what? That meant was meant to be
0: well. This idea of wherever whores go would then point to Penny, and that's his daughter, like Taisha. I mean, I don't think that that's like a ton of evidence to back everything up. And I hate this idea of everyone being a secret relative, but but everyone's a secret relative. I still thought it was kind of interesting.
1: I mean, that would be uh, wild. It would be wild. And thank God Tyrion decided to you know be more aware of his surroundings and. How the world is and who he is as a person before heading forward into the breach whenever he was kissed by Penny. Yeah, before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: think Tyrion at another time would have been like, fuck it. I like everything. What's up?
0: Right. He was kind of uncharacteristically sweet about that.
1: When he said an innocent kiss or or a good kiss or a... a the idea was, here's a kiss in general. And a a nice gesture, something that everyone deserves. The sentiment's not there without GRM's beautiful imagery, Mm -hmm. the softness of the language. But it's a nice sentiment. It's a really sweet thing. Yeah, it is
0: sweet. Until he thinks to himself, well, then he tells her. Sorry, I can't kiss you. I'm married. (laughs) And she's like, I understand. Is that classic? (laughs) And (laughs) I don't know. All right. (laughs) And then he thinks, my perfect woman, Tyrion thought bitterly. One still young enough to believe such blatant lies. (laughs) So it's like this. I I think that the thing about this chapter is that Tyrion is making strides in his character development, but he still has this like underlying darkness that maybe is as prevalent as has been in earlier chapters, but is still obviously kind of the lining around everything he's doing.
1: There was a few moments in this chapter, I thought so normally i don't think it, but he had this aside really early that was I just seem here it is the wooden armor. Made rising awkward. This is when he was uh, in the tilt. He found himself flailing like a turtle on his back. That, at least, set a few of the sailors to laughing. And here's an aside, um, or inner thought. I'm not sure what we call them. It's in italics. A shame I did not break my own leg. That would have left them howling. And if they had been on the privy when I shot my father through the bowels, they might have laughed hard enough to shit their breeches right along with them. But anything to keep the bloody bastard sweet. He had a few moments like that where it was just like very wordy and a little extra dark and it's like hey man did you have enough time to think that why not why not just go on with whatever you're doing
0: he's making progress but he's not over
1: it he's in he's still in it though he's like maybe maybe they should have been there when i shot my father through the bowels and it's just like all right
0: <laughs> we get it
1: <laughs> i just with with the speed of of all the stories around you each point of view chapter you burn through when you're reading a dance of dragons and maybe some of the cognitive effect of burning through a book that's sizable even if you're someone who reads a lot of big books it's still something that you know you're going to get through i think that maybe persistent atmospheres or persistent lessons like we're we're seeing this unfold with tyrion but we kind of know what's unfolding with him pretty early and we're seeing it happen but at this point we're 5 books into a song of ice and fire and we kind of get how george lets things happen and we're seeing it happen mm-hmm. and lo- a lot of things are happening and it's that they're in some really cool places and there's things like giant turtles and meeting new people it's a lot of fun These storms crazy magic it's but, a lot of fun but I, I understand how people how it all can kind of like blend together when you're reading through all the books it's like the ships kind of are the same and the thread of dying in the same way is kind of there you know, drowning because of bad weather, because of pirates, or because of untrustworthy people on the same ship as you that you can't get away from. Or you're in a uh, a barge with Delirio being carried down the the Valerian Highway. You know, you're kind of in that small room and you're drinking alcohol and you're having conversations
0: and having the same thoughts,
1: having the same thoughts, and uh, they're they're changing and and that's cool.
0: But it is tedious. For sure. I totally get that. Like, I totally agree. I
1: really like it, though. I read like I when I was reading this chapter, I, I thought, man, I really hope that this isn't the, one of those chapters that turns people off to Tyrion's arc in A Dance of Dragons.
0: Yeah, I think that for me, Tyrion's arc is one of the mo- more interesting because he is one of the actual main characters. And so I felt like this continues to be a little bit more interesting than maybe Cersei's. Plight, or maybe the the wheel spinning in Dorne. One could say, you know, like I feel like um, there's a little bit more room for error or room for kind of wheel spinning with Tyrion. Not that that's necessarily what is happening right here, but um, I I do sympathize with the frustration of, okay, we get it, like this, let's get on with it. I mean, we're very much far from the pacing of the first three books. So That's true. it's a challenge. So it's, a, it, I get it, but it's like you were saying a little bit earlier. I just enjoy the atmosphere of these chapters so much that I'm down to let it slide.
1: If we were reading A Feast with Dragons at speed, it might feel just like a, instead of tedious, it might just feel like a really big book. It might retain the pace. <laughs> yeah we we'll to do another reread where we like, all right, we're gonna read it actually in real time and not split over months on a podcast. Or it's
0: like um, it's like Les Mis has the actual published version and then the heavily abridged version, so you don't have to read about Parisian sewers for five years. They have stuff pages. about like the
1: catacombs in there. Is that is that what it is? Like yeah. the with the bones and shit under the city? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it goes on and on and do, on. Do and you know anything about that place? Uh, from what I read of Lane there's like people who hang, hang out in the bridge there. version. I know,
1: and they, there's people that go in there and they uh, like it's a challenge. They're like, you know what? It's been a hard week, and it's Friday, so I'm gonna go down there with my headphones on and go as far as I can.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> isn't there? I read some article about New York. There was like whole civilizations. Civilization is a broad term. There was whole groups of people living. I've heard about that in too. The sub, Like abandoned subway system.
1: I don't want to call them by the way, what that sounds offensive, but I've heard about them.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah,
1: I don't know. Them all I'm trying to say anyone. is,
0: let's make an abridged version. Our next reading order challenge would be trim the fat. <laughs> Does that mean
1: <laughs> I like the fat though? You know, I really do. This chapter was so much fun. The the back and forth with Jora. I I know it's not necessarily necessary, like those words together, but it's still fun.
0: Jorah. What did you think about (laughs) Jorah's reaction to Tyrion saying out loud everything that truly happened?
1: I thought that Jorah was a real jerk. But, you know, like we said about the sailors earlier, things are different out east. All right? It's dangerous. Got to watch what you say to someone. Like Jorah Mormont. You're going to have to spin a tale later about him. And, uh, you know, you're going to need his friendship later. Maybe, I don't know, Tyrion. Maybe you just told him the truth.
0: Tyrion hit the nail on the head, though. Because Tyrion didn't know. Like, he didn't know this, right? This isn't he, something. He was
1: about to call him Florian the Fool. And oh, he was yeah. like, that's too far.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But he didn't know this beforehand, right? Like, this is something that he just figured out.
1: He had. It in his head, I assume, but he's saying it out loud now. So he's, it's just one of those things where you right. just assume about Tyrion. You know, the stuff that he doesn't... he His asides, instead of being filled with his plots, like when he was in King's Landing, it's just been filled with his regrets and the possibilities of how much darker his current moment could be in relation to what he's going through. Right. And so this was a little bit different. And He was not talking to himself. He was, you know, trading... Blows with Jorah in a way that he can
0: defeat him, and Jorah played right into the re- like giving away his
1: <laughs>
0: feel, thoughts, and feelings.
1: Prophecy is like a half-trained mule, he complained to Jorah Mormont. It looks as though it might be useful, but the moment you trust in it, it kicks you in the head.
0: Wow, this is a perfect. Who do you suppose segue? they'll
1: carve up first? The pig, the dog, or me? He goes the noisiest, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My own, it's a Jorah moment, and I'm trying to save it.
1: For 19 days, they drifted. As food and water dwindled, the sun beat down on them, relentless. Penny huddled in her cabin with her dog and her pig, and Tyrion brought her food, limping on his bandaged calf, sniffing at the wound by night. Tyrion got a big splinter through his calf. But he's Tyrion, so he'll probably be okay. We don't really feel those blows as much. Just like the captain dying. Not that sad. Are you sad about that?
0: No. <laughs> A sail, she shouted. (laughs) A sail, she shouted. There, there, do you see? A sail. And they've seen us. They have. A sail. This time he kissed her. Once on each cheek, once on the brow, and one last time on the mouth. She was flushed and laughing by the last kiss, suddenly shy again, but it made no matter. The other ship was closing. A big galley. What ship is that? He asked Dora. Can you read her name?
1: I don't need to read her name. (laughs) Weird downwind. I can smell her. Yeesh. Mormont drew his sword. That's a slaver. Now that's a cool way to end, though, with his sword coming out.
0: Yeah. I love him drawing his his sword.
1: He's like, forget about all that shit about... Actually, don't forget all that shit. Remember it. But you need to grab a weapon.
0: Right. It's time.
1: A jaunt on the stinky steward...
0: Has come to an end.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts lets you conveniently renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care for the 21st century. The Simple Contacts vision test is self-guided and takes less than five minutes. It isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but it will save you so much time when you need to renew and reorder. It's designed by ophthalmologists and a licensed doctor reviews every test, so you skip the office visit, but not the care. Simple Contacts has all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so you never have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. And best of all, Simple Contacts lets you save money. The Vision Test is only $20, their Contacts lens prices are unbeatable, and standard shipping is free. I've always fallen behind on my Contacts prescription because of how difficult it used to be to keep contact lenses in stock, but when it's as easy as going online and having the prescription conveniently connected to the order it makes picking out the cheapest brand that will last the longest time very simple and i think you'll save both time and money if you order your contacts online you can get twenty dollars off those contacts at simplecontacts.com slash owns or enter the code o-w-n-s at checkout that's simplecontacts.com slash owns or enter owns at checkout to get twenty dollars off your contacts
0: something that i think is really cool that ties these two chapters together is that conversation that Tyrion is having with jorah that you said when he says prophecy is like a half-trained mule it looks as though it might be useful but the moment you trust it it kicks you in the head because deep into the cersei chapter she is telling what's her name whoever she tells i need to find it but she's talking about her own prophecy that she received. Oh, and, Tana and uh,
1: uh-huh. her husband Orton.
0: Yeah, it's when. Um, so it's at it's near the end of the chapter when Cersei goes back to her room and tana's is there, and they. It's after the whole bath thing. They go to bed.
1: The whole bath thing.
0: They go to there in the yeah.
1: bath. <laughs> <laughs> it's a song of ice and fire. We're supposed to every time there's a bath, we're supposed to be like, oh yeah, the bath. Uh huh. Oh,
0: sorry, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get the memo on that one, but. So Cersei has a bad dream and she A bath
1: dream. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, go on.
0: Cersei has a bath dream. No, that doesn't make sense because she has a bad dream about Tyrion.
1: <laughs> uh, she has a bath dream about Tyrion. Tyrion's getting plot all clean. Twist. No, she had a dream about Tyrion being all hairy and crazy and dirty and out of his mind.
0: It's a nightmare.
1: Yeah, it is. And- Can you imagine how painful it would be? Tell him what he did.
0: Cersei dreamt that she was down in the black cells once again, only this time it was her chained to the wall in place of the singer. She was naked and blood dripped from the tips of her breasts where the imp had torn off her nipples with his teeth. Please, she begged, please, not my children, do not harm my children. Tyrion only leered at her. He was naked too, covered with coarse hair that made him look more like a monkey than a man. You shall see them crowned, he said, and you shall see them die. Then he took her bleeding breast into his mouth and began to suck, and pain sawed ah, through her like a hot knife.
1: God. Good
0: God. Yeah, so it's not it's not great. She wakes up from a dream, and she tells Taina about the Valonqar, and everything that happened to her when she was a little girl, and this prophecy, the and God. everything that we know so very well. And I just think that that's a perfect tie, because Tyrion is telling Jorah that prophecies the moment you trust it, it kicks you in the head. And so much of what Cersei does is motivated by this event that happened early on in her life. And we're at the tipping point with her where the reasons why she's done things and why she's been so paranoid and worked so hard to protect her kids and her mind is because of this prophecy and it's about to kick her in the head. <sighs> Thanks for coming to my TED Talk.
1: (laughs) It's not like it's a secret that you're wrong, Cersei. You got to look at the facts. You got to understand that when you're talking about evidence and confessing the truth, that you know that you also mean lies and the story that you want to be true so you can achieve your means when you've got the blue bard in a dark room underneath the red keep and you're torturing him and filling his boots full of his own blood. You're not, you're not doing anything.
0: Right. You're not getting what you're not getting.
1: You're just not doing anything. Answers. just wasting everyone's time and torturing everyone with grief and sometimes physical pain for just nothing is even happening Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's just
0: especially when you see the types of conversations that she's having having the types (laughs) of conversations that she's having with sir osney at the end where she basically tells him exactly not basically she does she tells him exactly what she wants him to confess why couldn't she have done that with pysel or with the singer you know she probably could have gotten away with that, at least with Pysel,
1: Because she was going to fuck Osney, and she did not feel bad about that because he was he was getting something out of it. Yeah. She, knew, she knows what he wants. He's like, yeah, 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 that all sounds fine. But this is what I want right now. And that kind of weird situation is exactly what you get when you do all of this. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's so bleak, too.
0: You can keep the crown on. I like you and your girl.
1: God, that's so bleak. She's the queen. She's been directing people this whole chapter to do insane things for lots of different reasons. Maybe she's convinced herself that it's because of her authority. I'm not sure. But after that moment, after he reaches and grabs her and takes what he wants, do you think that she still feels that way?
0: I think that she is doing it because she thinks she has the moral obligation to her children. I don't even think that it's an authority thing anymore for her.
1: Well, I mean, that would be a pretty strong motivation.
0: Yeah. I think that that in and of itself is a pretty – is good enough.
1: So she's basically justifying – like, it's it's difficult what she's dealing with with the Blue Bard. And she does – even though she's a part of what's happening, you know, she does feel – you can – there's – it's so weird to talk about it because she's basically twisting the, the blade herself.
0: Right. That's what's confusing is she feels – as I was saying at the beginning of our episode, is she feels bad, but she's the one who's doing it. What do you think? She's so – Delusioned to the point that she, she's, he didn't do it. He didn't do anything, very obviously. And, but she thinks that he has, or someone must have, or whatever. And she feels like she has to continue to go through with it, where she very much does not have to. Do
1: you think she thinks that she has? Like, do you think that Pisell? Told that story for real or that was maybe she did have an aside with Paisel and she was like, we're just going to pretend in this conversation that I'm really mad at you for killing Giles Rosby. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I need you to pretend that you found or that, that Marjorie has been asking you for moon tea.
0: It was his think? cough by all the gods. <laughs> Picel stumbles.
1: I mean, it was his cough, right? I think we can all
0: agree that. 100%. Too much double-grass. That 1,000%. That's not even a question. But this whole Marjorie thing is super interesting to me. And I'm curious what you think, too, because I feel like Picel, I think that there's a couple different situations that could be happening. And the first is that Picel is telling Cersei exactly what she wants to hear instead of the truth, because. Like this exactly. Is,
1: there could have been a ex- number of other things you've yeah. brought her, but for God's sakes, you gotta say moon tea.
0: Yeah, like that's exactly what she wants to hear. Jeez. Two something that I think might be interesting is maybe Marjorie is using Picel to try to get Cersei to publicly accuse her in the hopes that she can clear her name and like Cersei can be publicly scorned or something. Or it's Lady Olena. Yeah, like it's it's part of this whole like Tyrell um, movement happening in King's Landing and mm. that this is just a piece of it and they're using Pycelle as a pawn.
1: It just seems like such an obvious thing though.
0: Well, Pycelle has always been so much in the Lannister camp. There just seems no way to me that Marjorie is.
1: Tywin's dead now, though.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. Well, that's another thing. But but I don't think Marjorie is stupid enough to tell Pycelle something confidential, unless a she's trying to use it to get Cersei, or b Pycelle has been co- not coerced but convinced to come over to the Tyrells quote unquote side because exactly like you said. He was super loyal to Tywin, and Cersei isn't really very nice to him.
1: Yeah, she's not only not nice to him at all, and hasn't been nice to him pretty much always, but she also has Kyburn now on the small council, and I have expected her at some point to make him Hand of the King,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and he's like, come on, you're making a joke out of the Citadel. What if the Tyrells were like, listen, we're going to really establish honor back into the Order. We'll- Beards will be celebrated in the capital.
0: It is like stroke the heck out of his ego.
1: Young women will be provided to you day and night.
0: <laughs> yeah, that scene of him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, but, so that's exactly. It. I think this Marjorie thing is this Marjorie slash Picel thing is super interesting because Picel is somebody that I think Cersei kind of takes for granted.
1: Do you think that Marjorie might so, actually be asking him for Moon Tea just to plant this? Or do you think that he's a part of the conversation and he's like he's acting like he just gave up? Because holy shit, if he just gave up that info on the queen on or at least on the excuse me, the king's wife,
0: wife, (laughs) I am the queen. Can you
1: imagine that? Think about that. He just he just gave her information to Cersei that could get her killed executed. That's why there's
0: no, like Marjorie is so much smarter than that. She has to be, and she has been, to get all the way where she is. And not just Marjorie, but her whole fam. I mean, the Tyrells are not stupid. So, I feel like they are going to be so much more cautious than that. That's why it has to be something other than what it appears to be.
1: There's just no way. Pycelle would be such a lark if he if they planted that info and within, you know, the first opening page or two of the chapter, he's giving away the darkest secret that his new friend has. Mm-hmm. Like, holy moly.
0: Right. Or he's making it up because he knows that that's something that would make Cersei happy. That <laughs> that's does, also very That possible. did happen
1: in this chapter with the blue bard. He did the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Man, how was that? That chapter. I felt like George probably wrote that in one – or that chapter, that that paragraph. After he uh, starts confessing about stuff that's fake, I felt like he wrote that in, like, one go. The editor, no one touched it. He was just like, oh, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Just how viscerally someone yeah. would just let go and just start making up all this insane shit about the people they had seen – Mm -hmm. around them in the rooms he was just describing uh, marjorie and her cousins and these just in these more illicit sexual acts all over the room and in different ways i'm imagining Mm -hmm. it more carnal than it actually was but you know what i'm saying like that's what so cool
0: and then cersei's like no 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 too many (laughs) high profile (laughs) people in there She's
1: like back it up those details are they're not going to believe you guys had a monkey in there
0: yeah, let's amend a few <laughs> things to make it seem more believable. That's fucking awesome. That's why I'm like, why what don't you just feed him the information up front? God. And then instead of having to torture, torture him, him, for
1: God's sakes, just give him money. Just give him money. He's lit. Remember what he said? He said he was hoping to earn favor at court. Okay. Give him favor. Like, does it, if you feel bad about what you're doing, if this is because of what Hannah said right now, who is your best defender indirectly, I don't know if she means to be, but at least at least in this moment to me, if that's the deal, then why not just, you know, maybe not cut his nipple off?
0: Yeah. And don't feel guilty about it. It's just so interesting and just so like convoluted that everything else that you did. Yeah.
1: We talk about Ramsey Bolton like he's an unmentionable. Like we can't say his name. Ramsey Bolton's a terrible person. They flay people in the north. We get it. We understand that what he did to Theon making him reek is a really bad thing. But I don't have enough conversations with my friends about how Cersei and Kyburn filled a guy's boots full of blood. And that's just the least of it. That's just part of what we had. That's just what we read.
0: That's terrible.
1: This is Cersei's penultimate chapter in A Feast for Crows. And I know we talked early in this reading order about her story just getting dark and unfolding. I would always see the Tower of the Hand exploding and burning in that way and her standing out there drunkenly and seeing the glow of the flames. I always kind of see that in my head. But this right here is going to – her and Kybern just almost like it's a campy little TV show down in this room with the blue bard Mm -hmm. at first. And the way that she's lying to herself creates this – the the dissolution of reality where it just – it – the. It doesn't seem dangerous because it's so fantastical. She's just lying to herself so wildly. You hear nightmarish music, you know? Like, that's going to replace the thoughts of Cersei's chapters for me in A Feast for Crows until we reach the next chapter and we see a body swinging. Right. That, that's just, like, it's one of the reasons why I think this one is my favorite so far out of the five, is just how unexpectedly it it takes you in this, this gothic direction. And uh, it's mostly, I mean, there are... There's elements of pain, but it's, it's, it's mostly the audacity of the characters just letting it happen to them so easily. Mm-hmm. That bothers me. Like, all of this could have been helped. There was no need for all this.
0: Big time. Big time. It could be a completely different story. But Cersei is not long for this high plane that she's riding on.
1: Her friends, we don't even know who they are, where they come from. Is just she just pulled some side characters out of the eaves, you know, like the people who stand on the side in those scenes when they're inside of the throne room. She just picks someone that would be most likely, you know, the person who was there around the edges that she could convince most easily. Do you remember how she was getting closer to Taina early in her chapters in Feast for Crows and now she's just all out telling her how the torture's going?
0: Yeah, and telling her all these deep dark secrets. It's because she has nobody else. That's sad. It is sad. It's just it's uh It's interesting because there's just a lot of This is so stupid, but there's just a lot of depth to what she I think that like we forget with the TV show it's so very surface level and it's like, oh, Cersei's just doing wild stuff. But when you really see it in the detail of the way she hypes herself up and the way she's having these conversations and like you're saying the people she's surrounding herself with that are straight up randos it only makes cersei's situation look even more desperate intricate mm. and desperate exactly they're
1: so exactly random the they they continue to be random i love i love what george R. R. martin is doing with these people it's like at this point you know this is the fourth book in his masterpiece the people that are with Cersei, they're pretty important people. Especially if they're recurring characters. Someone's sleeping with her.
0: He's still a rando.
1: They're all randos.
0: They're all randos.
1: jamie has gone. He's out to figure out his life. And fall in love with another woman. Probably already has. Jeez. Shout out, Brienne. Jeez.
0: But it is what it is. (laughs) We can't help her. We, it's been, I mean, so we're getting close. We're getting close to her downfall. And so I'm. It's been a long journey of her continuing to one up herself as she continues to make. She gives and worse. the hand
1: of the sorry, the hand of the king. She gives the hand of the king to the girl's husband.
0: A literal rando. It's
1: the closest guy to her. They're like, well, I would have. She's like, I would have made the girl, but they can't make a girl of the hand. So, the guy that's married to her. I mean, it 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 all makes sense logically, but imagine what it looks like to her uncle or just like any normal level person, any normal level, just any level headed person, (laughs) just anyone.
0: (laughs) Any other rando.
1: I was trying to think of like what class of people, but that doesn't really, that's not fair because it's so random in a song of ice and fire. There's people from all over.
0: There's one other thing that she, Dumb decision she makes is she tries to get Paiste to um, tell Lord, tell Lord Giles Ward that his last dying wish was to give all of his money to Tommen. Well, duh. Which is just like, isn't that okay. exactly what you'd like to do? <laughs> yeah, it's super convenient.
1: Yeah, she's like, I'll give him some of the money from it; it'll be fine.
0: Great political, great political maneuvering.
1: You know, we we sound really smug, <laughs> to be honest. Like, what if it doesn't matter? And what if this does
0: though? Yeah,
1: but what if it doesn't matter? And what if it it was going to fall apart on her anyway? And she might as well feel like she's I don't know making something happen.
0: I mean, I guess, but I think that she would be if if she was. (laughs) I mean, look at somebody like Sansa, who's also doomed to fail, who hasn't failed. Cersei was absolutely put in a position to fail.
1: So you're saying that she needs Peter Baelish. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, to be whispering in her ear. She has plenty of people whispering in her ear. No, she just needs to have made every decision differently.
1: Oh, okay. that's, you know, a normal thing. Just make all of your decisions differently. Easy fix. I think that she should make Kyburn king and we could see what happens. I I don't know exactly like what his first move would be because he seems to be really into what he's doing like it's not just a a hobby like I think he gets a lot of personal satisfaction and uh, he feels important you know like he matters when he's going places uh, that people have never gone.
0: First he's opening up his candy shop next stop franchise so that he's got some income coming in passive income. And third stop is (laughs) gotta get that passive income. Yeah, I'm continuing on (laughs) his experiments. All of Cersei's inner issues aside, some of her little comments that she has as she's dealing with people are still pretty hilarious. And so I think we have to start with Owens with Cersei before we go back to Tyrion because my favorite moment of maybe the whole—well, that's not true because my Tyrion own made me laugh out loud too. But near the end of the chapter, when after Tommen talks about like earlier, Tommen talks about how he wants to learn from Sir Loras and how they're praying for him every day. Near the end, she thinks to herself, "Sir Loras still clung to life, comma annoyingly," <laughs> and I thought that was so great.
1: She was just like, hey, flat out, he's not coming back. I've had a hard day. He's not coming back. If the day would have been different, I would have maybe been more hopeful, but not today.
0: It's like when you like have your like when your family dog gets is quote unquote sent to a farm. He's like, he's never coming back.
1: I saw that on TV in the background today. Someone was talking about that in a TV show. Like how they yeah. how they were described. It was on the good place. How they were described, like where their dog went after they died.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: is really weird. And they called it a farm, dude.
0: Well, because everybody was fed that line.
1: But if you live on a farm like I did, you just see dead dogs all the time. It's like, yeah, well, it's you, you gotta dig another hole.
0: I was <laughs> a city girl and I'm like, ooh, a farm.
1: <laughs> that's where they send dogs, right? Like, yeah, they send them there to get buried just out of the tree line. No,
0: they send the dogs to run on the field. Oh, so that's right. what everybody always says to live free.
1: My Cersei own is to. Taina.
0: Does someone like Taina think that Cersei is going to do great things? Does she see a longevity in all of this, you know?
1: I don't think so. I don't think it matters. Yeah. She'd probably be fun to hang out with for those reasons, though. So, own to her. Sweet. Hey, Hannah, what is your Tyrion own?
0: Hey, Hannah, what's your Tyrion own? <laughs> yeah. You said that was so funny. Hey, thanks. My own for Tyrion goes to Jorah. Whoa. Who claims to have slept through the entire storm? Wow. There's no way he slept the whole time. What a
1: dick. (laughs) Yeah, I know,
0: right? <laughs> like, yeah, I slept the whole time.
1: Yeah, she they're like covered in bruises and like for some reason Penny was like she was like, Oh, is this what's Puking? happening? I'll kiss him and you know, like such awkwardness and weird stuff happening because like they might die and who knows, and Tyrion's losing his mind. And we're like, This is such a special chapter. Jorah, what do you think?
0: He's like, I was asleep the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So funny, so mean. And so hilarious.
1: My own is to Penny's pig, pretty, for being there to remind us that everything is okay until they start killing their pets and eating them.
0: Till they start sending their pets to a farm to live out the rest of their days.
1: That's it for us.
0: Those are our owns.
1: You should probably read it.
0: Wait, I don't know how to say this word.
1: I don't either. I oh, think it's...
0: Is, kv- let's look it up.
1: It's like kvetching. I mean... I get the way it feels, but I don't know how to say it. Vetching? Catching? Just
0: complain. I'm listening to it. Kvetch. Kvetching. Got it. Heck yeah. At b de on Twitter says, For all their kvetching, Cersei and Tyrion's chapters mirror each other almost perfectly. They're cruising along more or less fine when an act of God slash Cersei's hubris throws everything off the rails. Owen goes to them... Being two sides of the same loathing coin,
1: bringing it all back. Great tie-in. Thank you, Brian of Tarth, for sending an own this deep in the off season. We appreciate your dedication to your noble cause.
0: And if you want to send in your own owns or your own thoughts, feelings, etc., you can find us on Twitter at Game of Owns, or you can find us on Instagram at Game of Owns, or you can send us. An email to contact contact.gameofowns.com.
1: Just wanted to say thank you to everyone for listening. It is November. And it's almost next year.
0: And you know what else is coming up is Fire and Blood.
1: If you're in the tri-state area.
0: <laughs> coming down to <laughs> Rick's <laughs> used car lot.
1: Fire and That's Blood. What it sounds like. And to everyone listening, if you're not doing anything on November 19th. At 7.30 p.m., you should join us at the landmark Lowe's, New Jersey, or I think it's just called Jersey Theater, because George R. R. Martin will be there to talk about his new book, Fire and Blood. I think that we're all getting signed books as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if there are any tickets left.
0: There better be. I have a link for it directly
1: in front of me. (laughs) Hannah is still waiting on that special pass given to her that will be treated and pressed onto a bloody coin. We we hope that uh, some of you are already coming. And, uh, if you're not coming and this is something that you think that would be really cool to go to, but you're on the fence and a lot of excuses are coming up are and there are to
0: me still, no, 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 I'm saying
1: like, <laughs> if there, if there's still any tickets left and you're thinking of reasons why you shouldn't go, you should just go because this is, I mean, it's happening right now.
0: It's going to be fun. And especially like we're saying, we're in the off season. We're just starting to get ramped up for next season. There's no sign of winds of winter. Unless, depending on who you talk to, there are some signs, but there's no real signs. And so this is a good opportunity to kind of get together and celebrate. And with that, we will be back next time with our continued reading order of A Feast with Dragons on com, And the next chapters we have are The Turncloak and The King's Prize. So both not character named chapters.
1: That's it, everyone. Thank you for another episode.
0: Yeah, and we'll see you guys then.